0: 42 it's a fitting time for it to be 42 in honor of the great David Backus who is now making his farewell tour which is so well deserved by the way I mean like uh it it is we'll jump right into things it is so good to see him get to finish out his career in St. Louis in Minnesota I also love how he hasn't officially announced it yet but like obviously he is going to so they kind of have to like dance around it and he always has to like like Darren Pang was interviewing him and like, you know, David's, like, oh, it's probably my last game. You're like, oh, it's probably, it's like, no, dude, it is. Uh, what, what might be his last? Yeah. That's all <laughs> the first of that.
1: But yeah, good, good for David back Obviously, I don't think it unfortunately didn't work out in Boston quite like I think most people envision, but, uh, regardless of the on ice product, I don't think you could find anyone who's going to say a bad thing about him off the ice. Uh, you know, him as a leader, uh, just as an individual, uh, he's a class act. Uh, for sure. So good to see him kind of get that farewell toe, which is hard to come by, especially during kind of these a year like this.
0: And it is 10 years with the Blues. He was really good. Like oh, he had an awesome. amazing career. Um, and I think people forget that. And even in his first year in Boston, his points were still pretty good. It just didn't live up to the sixth point. By the way, never introduced ourselves. That's Connor Ryan, Evan Marinovsky. Apologies if I sound a little stuffy, by the way, I was going out to my car this morning when the whole side of the driver's side was yellow. And my car's not yellow, so could only be pollen and I didn't take an yeah. allergy pill yet. And I said, damn it, I opened the door and it just poofs everywhere. And I'm like, Well, I'm, I'm screwed for the rest you're, of the day. You're done for.
1: Well, I was day done to day for. I was day to day yesterday, uh post post COVID shot. So uh thankfully I'm recording it a, a day after, but back in the fold, ready to roll.
0: So Yeah, how how were you with that?
1: Uh it was I mean, it was more or less like the first time I the first shot I had was fine. Like I was, my arm was just sore. Other than that, uh, this, the second one wasn't like it was knocking on my ass, but like, I was definitely like you wake up and you like, it's one of the things where you wake up and you like, you know, if you move, something's going to hurt and you just go like, oh shit. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was like. Like it was just like achy and, and tired and stuff like that, but nothing too bad. There's people who like have like horror stories. Like Yeah. I had like a, a fever and like I was like, thought I was going to pass out. I'm like, Jesus. I mean, I, I just felt like like, like a little shitty for like a few hours. Yeah. Then. But not too bad. But regardless, we're recording today, right back at it.
0: Yeah. Cause I got mine the day before you. Um, and I think Tuesday, I, or like Monday night, I felt kind of, I felt pretty achy. And then I remember I was watching like a Netflix documentary before going to bed. Uh, Night Stalker, by the way, watch it. Very good documentary. Um, and I was watching it and I could feel my body just like hurting and I was just laying there and I'm like, all right, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna feel like shit in the morning. And of yeah. course, I woke up. Felt like shit, uh, but then like by the time the Bruins came on that night against the Devils, I actually like during the game I must have just forgot about all my symptoms because I, I, like the game ended and I was like, oh I actually feel kind of good, yeah. And now it's been, I've been good ever since. So obviously go get the vaccine if you now you can. I, it's walk-ins like you, yeah you
1: can just walk right in guys
0: walk right in walk just, just go in like it's pretty easy you know just look away from the needle it's no big deal if people know what they're doing um, and you can catch up on work in those fifteen minutes after. Exactly. you be amazed at what you can just, do in those 15 or just, or just minutes just
1: scroll twitter which is what i just did right
0: oh yes oh yes um which yeah twitter making memes all that fun stuff uh speaking of needs the teams need to do the bruins have four games left in their season uh including thursday night's game against the rangers cuz this is dropping on friday Maybe i'll put the yeah i'll put this on friday uh so it's dropping the day after the rangers game uh but four games as we record this and they have some needs you know, the top six is looking good. Uh, the third line is starting to take shape, which is good. Uh, Corrali on that, right? So obviously coil out day to day. Hopefully that's nothing, anything crazy. Uh, in net, you know what you pretty much have with Rask and probably Swayman at this point, as Ty Anderson astutely pointed out. And people went after him on Twitter a bit for it, but it's true. It is true. What he said was true. Uh, but there are a few things. The power plays, one, resting guys, sorting out the defense, fourth line. What's most pressing? What gets fixed? How do you do it?
1: Well, I think probably the most pressing X's and O's thing is, is fixing that power play, which I imagine with uh, whatever practices they have left and probably during that kind of bit of a waiting time in between the end of the regular season and whenever the playoffs start, which we don't really know when it's going to start. I think everyone assumes it's next weekend, but uh, during those practices that the Bruins will have, I imagine a large portion of it's going to be devoted to fixing that power play just because, Um, it's been stuck in a rough way for a long time. I think since April 8th, the Bruins have six total power play goals and four of them have come from Craig Smith and, and another one has come (laughs) from David Krejci. So you, I mean, you can make the case like just from the eye test that the second unit has looked a lot better than the first for a long, long time now. Um, so they have to do something to, to get that first power play unit, uh, rolling, whether it's. Switching up personnel or Bruce Cassidy has always identified, uh, troubles with entries as being a thing that's really going to hurt that top power play unit over the last month. So I think they've got to, uh, really kind of fix that and not make it be, you know, I don't think you want, you expect it to jump from where it is right now to also be in a top three unit again, right? I don't think you're going to have that, whether it's just like it's not in the cards or guys just aren't executing.
0: Or I don't you
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah, I, don't, I don't think Sorry. you're you're going into it expecting them to cash in on you know thirty percent of their chances but you still need more than the output you're getting now because I think you know right now the Bruins since the deadline are outscoring teams at even strength 37 to fifteen which is crazy it's crazy that they're they're scoring these, this many like the 2011 Bruins now where it's like uh <laughs> they're you know they're dissecting teams on even strength and then power play kills all their momentum. It's pretty much been the case for a month now. So if you even get that power play back to, you know, 20% over this, this latest stretch, it, it goes a whole, uh, a long way, especially in the playoffs in terms of just landing more punches against the opponent. So I think in terms of X's and O's power play is probably what stands out the most to me.
0: Yeah. And also you got to get posture not going like this yes. has been a while. Uh, that's been an issue. And and he was in cast. He was asked about it to, uh, t- Thursday And, you know, again, there's no, it's hard to give a set answer on. I mean, he's Pasternak, like he's supposed to be scoring those goals and they're not going in the one-timers aren't going in. But again, I, I mean, I, this is completely speculation, but it feels like he might be dealing with something just given off the way he's been playing the way that, you know, there's been just some plays over the past few games. I've looked at
1: those one-timers that usually automatic that are
0: right into the goalie's chest or like a shot from, there was one I pointed out on Twitter a uh, few games ago, where he kind of centered the zone and threw a wrist around net. It was like you know, Pasternak of usual would like at least try to get past the defender, take it to the outside, try to bring it back in. And there was none of that. Now I get, um, I understand like trying to get the face off, but like you're David Pasternak, you you got to make you got you got to get to the net there. Um, I also think you know resting guy is going to be important. Yes. Obviously, the season is just a, a the last month and a half has been just a sprint with really a marathon like distance. Um, and you know, if you're facing the capitals in the first round or the second, like you, you got to have guys rested going to that series, because as we said, and we'll get into this later on, you know, teams that will give the Bruins the most trouble, you got to have these guys rested. You do. And I don't know how you do it in these last four games. I mean, you, if you want to sit Bergeron out a game, want to stop Marsha a game, like go for it. But I do think that that's also something that needs to be done. But once again, do you want to sit a guy like Pasternak when you'd like to also get him going on the power play? Like yeah. that it's, it's tough because again, like if, you know, if you want to give Matt Groszak a night off, you're trying to sort out your D pairs. <laughs> That's right, not yeah. easy. So you do have this little bit of a dilemma where who do you rest? When do you rest them? Do you sacrifice fixing something else?
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely going to be a challenge, especially I think I imagine over these last four games, especially I think once we get into next week, those, those back-to-back games against the Islanders and Capitals, you imagine a few guys are going to get uh, sat out in, the, in those ones. But again, what happens if you go into that Capitals game where I imagine most Bruins fans probably don't want their regulars in there with Tom Wilson, <laughs> right? Cause it, it just seems like it's a, a bad situation brewing there, which I'm we will uh, discuss a little bit later in the show, but I think in a perfect world, you don't want to deal with that. But what happens if you're, a point behind Pittsburgh for uh, second place and you can leapfrog them and get home ice in, in the first round against them. Or what happens if you're uh, a point behind the Islanders and a win guarantees you uh, a matchup against Pittsburgh as opposed to the capitals. Like then I think you have to reevaluate and kind of go on the fly with it, but you have to be cognizant of the fact that the last thing you want is to lose a guy late uh, right ahead of the playoffs due to a, a game that in the grand scheme of things is meaningless. And it's, it's not like a, a thing where it's, you know, like talking about insurance where it's like better to be safe than sorry. It could happen. It's happened quite a lot with the Bruins over the last couple of years. Like let's, let's look back. Like Brendan Kahlo gets concussed by Ovechkin in his rookie year in the last game of the regular season out for the playoffs. The next year breaks his ankle in the second to last week of the season. So they'd already That's wrapped funny. up a playoff spot. Uh, the next year Kevin Miller in the second to last game of the season crashes his knee into the, the, uh, the boards in Minnesota, and it's out for the whole year, uh, out for the playoffs that year, and out for the whole next year. Uh, and you really could have used them last year. And, uh, you know, they avoided anything last year, but it's because there was a COVID stoppage. So, <laughs> but it's been a trend for the last couple of years. And then you saw, I mean, on, on Tuesday, I mean, it seems like the the coil injury uh, doesn't seem like it hopefully is going to be long-term if he's just day-to-day. And Cassidy said he could be practicing, in short order, could play on Saturday, which is good news. But still, you don't want a guy who's looked pretty good on the wing, who's gelled pretty well with Richie and and Corrali to be missing games when they should be continuing to build chemistry. And then I think everyone probably saw the Bruin season flash before their eyes when Martian smashed into the boards there. (laughs) Like, when you saw that, you're like, fucking, of course. Like, this is typical. Like, that That would be what would happen, right? So you got to be careful in these games that, you know, maybe it's too – Strong to say that these games are meaningless because of just the standings implications, but you got you got to be you know cognizant of what's really at stake here and uh, the the dangers of rolling out the same crew over and over again over these last couple stretches because the last thing you need is a guy to go down late with an injury.
0: You mentioned also last year uh, not having that opportunity to, because of uh, the COVID shortened season. They still did. Uh, Kasha Pasternak when they arrived late to the yes. bubble because they, yeah. they messed up protocol. So they still had that as well. That's the funny thing. Like they still found a way to like have yes. an issue. So they did the, 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 the bane and of a, the global
1: catalysm cataclysm. They, they still managed to mess it up.
0: Yes. uh, The bane of the Bruins is those last couple of games of the season. And apparently it's right shot defenseman as well. So maybe no right shot defenseman play the next four games. You just have all lefties bring up Earl and Saboral, everyone. You just play them on the left side uh, or on the right side as well. So they have to figure that out. Fourth line is also an area um, where you need some help because again, you've moved Corrali up to the third line and that seems to be working. Now your third line's working. working, uh, but your fourth line is DeBrusque, which... Has not been amazing of late.
1: That, that dude needs to bury a goal desperately. N- needs poor it. Guy.
0: Needs it. I feel bad for him. I really yeah, do. So it, like it, I'm. It
1: sucks. Like you, you can go.
0: No, I was just say like I in a in a way like you're bummed for him. Like he just looks to, you know just just worn down and worn out. And this isn't by the way. This isn't an easy season. I think a lot of people forget like how hard this season is on players in general. Just with. The travel and the isolation, like it, it affects everybody differently. So I think we have to keep that in mind, but there are too many nights this season where you just don't notice them on the ice. And that's an issue. And that's why he's on the fourth line. And, but again, you do feel bad for him because I remember, I remember like uh, the zoom pressers he did after he signed his deal and you could tell he was excited. He was like, Oh, you know, I'm going to prove myself, you know, I'm going to stop being so inconsistent. And, you know, I was disappointed in myself last season and all this stuff. And this season has been like, worse than worst case scenario I think
1: yeah no I mean hopefully you know putting him on that fourth line while it may not be the ideal spot for him you hope maybe putting him in like kind of that straight line north south game kind of uh, play to his strengths and again I think he just needs to pot a goal I think he just needs a break at one of these play, uh, one of these spots and just kind of get the momentum going because yeah as you said I mean he's he's a guy who also has always been pretty accountable in terms of sizing up his own game. Like obviously he's had these cold spells in the past and he's been, you know, accountable looking to to himself as kind of the issue behind it. But sometimes I think you just need a break, right? Like, and I think it's tough this year where, um, you know, it's not like you can uh tune it out and go out to dinner with your, your pals and kind of avoid thinking about it for a night. Like you're kind of cooped up in your hotel room where you're, and it's tough. It's tough for these players to deal with it, especially a guy who who cares like Debrusque, who wants to do well, who knows, you know, how how will impact this team if he gets rolling. So hopefully he he fits in on that fourth line, just gets rolling. I think he just needs a goal desperately. He was starting to heat up before he went on the COVID list. He managed to string together a couple of pretty good games right before that. Uh goes out for a couple of weeks and now he's kind of back at square one, unfortunately. So I think he just needs a break. But yeah, finding out who fits on that fourth line is going to be key. I'm, you know, I think Lazaz penciled in there at, at four C, but after that, it might depend on kind of matchups. Like you could go heavy and go with like a guy like Wagner, you can go with Kuhlman who's a bit faster. Um But I think as a whole, you got to keep the brush there and ideally keep him at left wing. I know he's playing right wing for Thursday's game, but I think you have to keep him on his, norm- on a strong side and have him just kind of settle in and, and play his games. I think moving him around, especially on the right side, hasn't really worked out that well for him.
0: I, to, to me, Debrusk is not a fourth liner. I know the Bruins usually have a different fourth line, but he, you know, I think if you really wanted to get him going, you'd have him on the third line. But again, you have Nick Ritchie there. Yeah. And then on the second line, you have Taylor Hall there now. Like the ideal place for Dabrowski would be third or second uh, line, left wing. And that would get him going maybe now I know it had an all season, but you know, that's where you'd ideally get him going. I don't think the fourth line's is really the place for that, but now you're kind of looking at the writing on the wall for the off season and there's not really a huge spot for him um, going forward. Could change, could have an, a monster playoffs, something, it, a lot of things can change, but I'm just telling you that, you know, Marshan Hall, Richie, Frederick, you get my point. You get my point. Um Safe bet. If DeRozan comes back next season or not, who knows? But there is a way more safe bet, and it's called our good friends over at Bet Online. Connor, tell listeners about Bet Online.
1: Absolutely, Evan. Listen up, guys. It's an exciting time of the year around the sports world. The NBA is in full swing. Bruins hockey is close to the playoffs, and the Red Sox are back and still winning games. Mostly, they like they lost the extra innings, but regardless, they're doing well. Red Sox are back. Well, I'm officially calling the Red Sox back. But listen, guys, even if you haven't made it back to Fenway or the Garden just yet, you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. No matter how the schedules change or the players at play, BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online, and we even have an exclusive promo code for our loyal listeners. So go to BetOnline and enter promo code CLNS50, that's C-L-N-S-50, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You heard me, Evan. Evan, Evan, you listening? I'm listening. A 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. No one beats that.
0: 50 like Jonas Gustafsson 50?
1: 50. Oh, yes. 50% welcome bonus.
0: Nobody beats that.
1: No one beats that.
0: A source Ready? actually just told me nobody beats that as well. A source just texted me and said, Nobody we, beats that. We have that.
1: confirmation that no one beats that. So, what are you guys waiting for? Head to bet online today and take advantage of all the great bonuses, offers, and contests available right now. Again, it's a promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts.
0: Go do that now. Um, before we get to the Tom Wilson stuff, because I know that's the hot topic of like the year um, in the NHL world, let's first focus on the East team that would give the Bruins the most trouble. And I think, for me at least, I think it's the same answer as the one with the Tom Wilson stuff. I think it's the Capitals. I do. I think they're beatable. Their defense is slow. Their goaltending is very up in the air. All that stuff. They're a big, heavy team. And they are not afraid to be super dirty. They are dirty. That is a dirt. I mean, you know, you, and it's not just Tom Wilson, you know, Garnet Hathaway, you know, you got some characters on that team. And to me, when I really look at it, you know, the Islanders are struggling. That was my team initially that I, that I thought the Bruins would have the toughest time with. I still think they might, but they've been struggling mightily of late. So that's kind of a confidence thing with them. The Penguins to me, I know you've said the Penguins before, Uh, I'm not super nervous about them because I do think the Bruins can beat them as well. And I think the Bruins can beat the Capitals, but I know if you go in against the Penguins, you're not going to get killed. You're not going to leave there, as we've said numerous times now, with two to three guys injured because their heads were mashed through the glass. Like, I I do think that if you play the Capitals in a seven-game series to start, even if you win that series, which I think you can, I have a tough time believing you're getting past the second round just given off injuries and guys being tired and whatnot.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Bruins have a good shot at beating any of the teams in the East if they're playing up to their level. Um, I definitely agree in terms of just the the factors with the Capitals in terms of their physicality. It's going to give you issues. Um, just in terms of the fact you're going to lose a couple of guys, that seems like a given at this point. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll focus my attention on Pittsburgh because I think they're a pretty intriguing matchup in that I think they might be the team that gives te- other teams the most trouble just on their X's and O's and the way they play, because, uh, you know, their goaltending may not be that great, but you look at kind of the rest of the roster and the way it's built. Uh, the defense, while it may not be like a staff-sided defense, like I don't know wh- who this man is that took Cody CeCe's body and made him like a viable top <laughs> four defender, but like him, Mike Matheson, like they're playing a good structured defense. Um, they do a pretty good job at, you know, sealing uh, off, uh, you know, the neutral zone making it tough. Obviously, the Bruins have been able to get past them a couple of times, but they play a pretty strict system defensively, which you saw uh, in that one nothing game that, you know, when they're playing as one unit, they're pretty tough to get by. And they've got firepower. I mean, there's the Crosby line, which everyone knows about. Jake Gensel's having another great year, but you've got Evgeny Malkin now coming back, which helps them out quite a bit. And then uh, I think probably one of my biggest takeaways from that that series the Bruins played against them is that Jeff Carter, who I thought was washed, Looks pretty good, and now he's their third-line center. So, like, they've got guys there. Again, it's one of those ones where you look at, like, in the eye test, and you're like, you know uh, –
0: Cody CC. Yeah, is like, yeah, Cody
1: Cody CC, Mike Mavison, Evan Rodriguez. Like, who the – what the fuck is this? And then, like, you watch them play, and they – like, they stick to Sullivan's system. They've got the stars in the right places. Like, I think in terms of just a pure, you know – seven-game series, like like just from the X's and O's perspective, they could be a team that I think gives you a lot of trouble and make it like a seven-game series. Whereas, yeah, the the Caps are going to beat the crap out of you, but I think you look at their goaltending situation, especially their defense and the way they let up so many grade eight chances, you could bury goals in a hurry against them. Like, I think Pittsburgh is going to be a pretty tough out. And the Islanders right now are kind of like cruising along right now. They're not really, you know, again, who knows what – it's tough because – the playoffs a whole different animal, but in terms of just how they're playing, I think Pittsburgh could be a sneaky, uh, maybe not even sneaky, but a tough matchup, especially in the first round, which is what it's looking like right now.
0: Yeah, and again, you got to try to leapfrog them to try to get home ice. Yeah, uh, Pittsburgh is
1: twenty three and three at home. I think this year, so
0: yeah, pretty good at home. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think there's a, a super easy team to play against yeah. uh, out of the three. I don't think there's an overtly hard one. It's not like you have the Lightning in your division, like or the Lightning of years past. Not this year's lightning, but like last year or the year before, even though they were out in the first round two years ago. Still like the most points ever, whatever the thing was. Doesn't matter now. Um but let's move on to the fun, the fun topic, the passionate topic. Tom Wilson. Uh if you've been living under a rock the past couple of days, you have missed quite a bit. Uh first it started with a nice little uh, was that Tuesday night or Monday night? Monday. Monday, Monday, uh, Rangers and Capitals played. Buchnevich, you know, drives the net, not even that hard. And Wilson, you know, kind of pushes him down, punches him in the back of the head twice, starts at this big old thing. And, and uh, you know, Panarin goes over, grabs Wilson. Wilson turns around, sees Panarin, you know, helmet comes off, basically just grabs him by the hair and throws him down and then punches him twice in the face while he's down on the ice. Like Wilson's on top of him. No suspension. Wilson was fined 5000 for the Bucinavich thing. Uh, none – or, yeah, Bucinavich. He was not fined for Panera, if I remember correctly. So then, obviously, the Rangers come out with that huge statement that just blasting George Peros.
1: Disgusting act of violence.
0: <laughs> horrifying. No, it's horrifying act
1: of violence. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. Horrifying. Horrifying,
0: horrifying act of violence. And then no suspension. Uh, and then last night or um, Wednesday, I thank God this game was on NBC built like six fights in the first like five minutes. Um, So I week, I I'll actually, my opening take on this, cause I know you'll focus more on Wilson. I'm going to focus on the Rangers actually on this. Um, I was very impressed with how they handled things. I know that sounds really weird because they lost the game after they got beat up. Like they, you know, they're fined 250000 They lost their president. They lost their GM. And, and it, it, they can say it's unrelated to that. What If it is, it is. If it isn't, it isn't. So they've had a weird, tough couple of four days on paper. But when you really look at it, they had nobody on that roster who was really good enough, you know, skill-wise to fight Tom Wilson. To even fight, like, you know, the other guys. You know, Garnett Hathaway and, you know, the other guys there. You know, you have, you know... Carl Hagelin, <laughs> you know, uh, is it Dylan or Ryan Strome? I always forget.
1: Uh, Ryan, right.
0: One I of the Stroms. Tra- I,
1: I lose track of all of them. It's definitely Ryan.
0: One of the Stroms. It's yeah, Ryan. Ryan. Strom. So you have all these guys, you have them fighting and standing up for Panarin, standing up for their teammate. They're pissed off. They just got eliminated. They did all the right things. They did all the right things. They went out and they stood up for their guys because the league wouldn't. And again, Last night or Wednesday night doesn't happen if the league just simply suspends Tom Wilson. So that was my takeaway. It was like the Rangers stepped up, stood up for their guy, did what they had to do, and even the social media team, <laughs> even the social media team putting out a statement, did what they had to do. So to me, uh, my biggest takeaway from that, obviously, we know Wilson is dirty and everything and should have been suspended, but uh, the Rangers actually like did what they had to do. So respect to them for that. Can't help but respect it
1: yeah no, and I think you look at it from the other perspective of the capitals and the N h l in particular, and you know what the N h l is probably going to look at the ratings for that game against the the Rangers, and capital and see the ratings crash and want to continue to do that, but you know what it's embarrassing because we all know how this is going to end, like there's people who talk about how like in terms of all the things Tom Wilson has done was that truly suspendable worthy, which I think is just bullshit because this is the problem. we all know how this is going to end. It's going to end with Tom Wilson cracking a guy and ending his career. And the NHL is going to be culpable for it because they didn't have the balls to take him to task and hold him accountable before that. Like we know how this is going to end. So the NHL is going to be shocked when in the playoffs he blows out Barzal's knee or hits Pasternak high and be shocked one of his stats is out for a while. It's because they didn't uh, take a guy to, t- to task who has been in, in these situations time and time again. I mean, literally two months ago, he put up Brennan Kahlo, who had to go to the fucking hospital off of a high hit a needless hit on a situation by the way that don't forget i don't know if you've read that thing in the athletic but uh george Parros did not want to suspend tom wilson for that which is fucking embarrassing i
0: saw that because well,
1: he also was technically not a repeat offender you know the dude's been suspended time and time again so it's embarrassing <laughs> because it the the fact that like you've got the it's a, it's not like this is a situation with the nhl is where it was even five ten years ago with the amount of uh dangerous hits or stuff like that like it many teams and players have been more accountable over the years now. It's just one friggin' guy. And the NHL, you have one guy who keeps on popping up again and again and again. You think they would, you know, do what they can to snuff out the BS that he does almost every, every single season. But no, we're not going to do it now. We're going to let the Capitals get their, their guy into the postseason where he's going to, you know, wreck another guy, and it's going to be on the NHL for it. It's embarrassing because, yeah, it, I mean, it, it just – and again, the NHL is going to win because Tom Wilson's going to hit someone again in the playoffs and it's going to create a whole bunch of discourse and discussions and all this good stuff, which we great for, you know, hockey people wanted to draw the drama. But for the team who loses a player because the NHL didn't take this guy to task, then, uh, oh, well, I guess, right? It's part, part of the game, I guess, to let a guy on prom to keep on knocking guys around, I guess. So it's, it's embarrassing. It's, we, all, we all know how this is going to end if the NHL doesn't step up. It's going to be inevitable.
0: I've never understood, uh, why George Paros is the head of Department of Player Safety. He was a former goon. Like, I've always found that it's like, you know, you can be reformed and changed. Paros is probably a nice guy. I don't obviously know him at all, but he's probably a nice guy. But he was a former goon. Like, it's clear how he views hockey and how he views it should be played. He's an old-time hockey guy. And that's fine. You can view, you can want old-time hockey, but you shouldn't be in charge of the Department of Player Safety. Why would that be? Why, why is that a logical place for you to be? I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just telling you. Like, what would be the reasoning for that? So I find this so ironic and weird. Like, I, in his mind, he's probably thinking, oh, you know, the Rangers can take care of Tom Wilson. You know, let him go back. It's What would be the reason? But, like, that makes no sense. Makes no sense to me. With the repeat, that, with, with, the, with the offenses Tom Wilson's had in the past, the dirty hits, the dirty plays, even the ones this year, how that was not suspendable. You punch a guy in the back of the head on the, on the ice guys on the ice. He's in no position to you. If he, you know, guy runs into your goalie, you can grab him, grab him, but don't punch him in the back of the head. And then when you, and then my favorite part is, this is Pavel Buchnevich and Artemi Panarin. Buchnevich is is defenseless. Mm -hmm. And then it's Artemi Panarin who's like 170 pounds. Yeah. Like, top, it's our top Teddy 10 player Pimera. in the league,
1: too, who yes. is now oh, for the year. Granted, the Rangers didn't have anything to play for after, you know, Monday they're out of the playoffs. But what if that was, I don't know, what if that was Pasternak coming to the defense of a teammate, which you would like to see, right? Wouldn't be a yeah. fair fight if he uh, got scrapped up with Wilson, but you want Wilson to drop him by his hair?
0: Yeah. That's, that's, that's the crazy thing. It's like all he did was Prayer just grabbed him because he's defending a teammate. Now all Wilson has to do is turn around and just grab Panarin back. And that's it. That, that's it. That's all you have to do.
1: You could shove him and launch him like down the ice. Like, yes, big, big yeah. like,
0: yeah, you don't have to, you don't have to grab him by his hair, rip his helmet off and then throw him down. The temper tantrum of like the anger management issue, the anger issues of Tom Wilson in that moment were just so obvious. Like just dude, chill out, chill out. Um, and that's, that's one part. I also, I also have this, and I said this to you. Uh, over text because it's been odd to me. It's been eating at me a bit. Um, and it's not that big a deal. Guys are friends on different teams. It's no big deal. But it is weird that, you know, obviously the Bruins stood up to Tom Wilson the right way on the ice um, after the whole Brandon Carlo incident. You had Tenorti, you had, you know, Bergeron going over and saying something and all these things. But it is odd that, you know, I was listening to, to Rock on Spitting Chicklets and he was talking about chugging beers with Tom Wilson. Uh, or they didn't, they didn't explicitly say it, but they alluded to it. And they alluded to how they were kind of buddies and, you know, uh, Marshan at the face-off dot with him on behind the B. Now, granted, I think he might've said that to anybody. I don't think that was like a, you know, because him and Tom Wilson are buddies at a face-off dot. He asked him how Z was. So like, obviously that's fair, but it's just odd, you know? Like, it's a little odd, you know? Like, especially after the Brandon Carlo incident that, you know, that's your teammate. Carlo's your teammate. And, you know, he's done a number to your team. And it's odd to me that, you're not like you're buddy, buddy with them in a way, you know? I don't know. I mean, again, they've called him out after games. They've fought him on the ice. So obviously what could more can you ask? But it is weird when they're like playing grab ass off the ice.
1: Yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens when we get to the playoffs. And Yeah. He, oh, he oh, oh, by the way, I don't think, guy, that,
0: yeah. I think the playoffs would be a different thing. I'm not saying that like it's affecting how the Bruins are dealing with Wilson on the ice. They're so dealing with him fine. Like, again, you had the right response after the hit on Carlo post game from Cassidy and Bergeron and Marshan and all those guys. And also during the game. So I'm not saying you're doing, you're, you know, you're not doing anything. You're doing a ton, but it's just odd. When I hear guys on the Bruins, like talking good about Tom Wilson, it's odd. It's weird. I, I and I get the chicklets as a place to go for like behind the scenes stuff. And I know that like, you know, the ice is the ice and off ice is off ice, but it is odd. That's like, Brandon Carl is your teammate, man. I don't know. It's probably yeah. the wrong way, and I was just, just a little it's, weird by it. It's
1: going to be a very interesting. Whoever whoever matches up against the Capitals, it's like the immediate thing is not going to be like the X's and O's breakdown. It's going to be like, oh, <laughs> shit, here we go. Because, again, we all know what's going to happen. We we know what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, but even, at least... the, even the, the, the play uh, when the Caps were playing here where Wilson hit Crowley and it was more of an incidental thing, right? But then you have people like, who immediately were like, oh, guess who the fuck it was? And like then you have people jumping in like that wasn't a penalty. Like it's like, yeah, you're right. However, this guy has no benefit of the doubt. Like no, when you no. see a guy get dropped and Tomlinson's on the ice, fair to assume that he's <laughs> somewhat involved in that situation. It's fair to jump into conclusion uh you know before you see the replay that he probably had something to do with it, right? Like the guy has no benefit for the doubt anymore.
0: No, none. And that's and that's why to me it's like and the Capitals fans who just defend him and defend Defend him like just to the death. He could pull out a pistol and shoot someone on the ice and he'd be like, oh, that's just hockey. That's just it's, good old it's, it's a all-time game. hockey. It's a physical it's a f- game, f- man. It's a physical game, man. You wouldn't understand. You're not tough enough. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get it. You wouldn't understand it. That's why it's always odd to me. Because I feel like, you know, when Marshane used to do his hijinks back in the day, people were like, That's stupid. Don't do that. Like, you know, most not a lot of Bruins fans obviously defended him because He's their guy. I, I get that. But a lot were also like, no, that's really dumb. Don't do that. And and he changed. Like, credit to Bruce Cassidy. Now, I don't, Martian never did anything to the level of Tom Wilson. Like, Martian would, like, lick your face <laughs> and do, like, stupid shit. But it wasn't like, career-ending stuff. Um, whereas Wilson's is, like, predatory. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, Martian was a pest. And, I, and I'm not, you know, Martian did some stupid stuff. And mm-hmm. he put his team in bad situations. And Cassidy was right to have that heart-to-heart uh, summer dinner with him and his family. Like, dude, you can be so much better. That's what I also say. Like, Wilson still puts up a good amount of points. And I do mm-hmm. feel like if he took that Marshan route of like, hey, I'm going to stop being such a, a jackass. I'm going to, like, just play the game. Probably put up more points. Well, <laughs> like, I, be better.
1: And, and it also doesn't help that he's got no accountability from, like, his teammates or his coach or anything like that. Like, I look at someone brought up the point that, remember, in 2013 when, Uh, Sean Thornton slew foot, uh, all pick and knocked him out when he was already down the ice. Bad play. Everyone right away was like, ah, shit. You shouldn't have done that, right? Like, after the game, Claude Julien was like, yeah, no, he did it. He did the, no, he took him to task. He said he did the wrong thing. He knows it's wrong. We're going to pay the consequences for it. Sean Wilson, like, bangs guys around. You've got Peter LaViette not saying anything. Like, what he did. Uh, making excuses for him after the the Kylo thing was fucking embarrassing. Ovechkin's gonna complain about it, even though Ovechkin like rocks people and doesn't get any calls for it. Um, you have the Caps posting that bullshit ass tweet like after after that game they immediately deleted. They got roasted for. So he's also in this culture where you know he's viewed as being like everyone's against us, so we have to be in the right, right? It's like no. Maybe your guy keeps on running guys, and the NHL doesn't have the balls to take him to task. So it, it all leads to a situation where you got this team that has this guy, and he's not going to get held accountable for it at all. And again, we all know how it's going to end.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that, that's how it is going to end. And that's that's what's sad, because this could have been avoided. You could have suspended him 15 games after what happened the other night. I mean, just like there were so many things that actually on that play, that sequence against the Rangers where he threw Panarin down and hit Bucinan. There were so many things that actually went right, right? Like, Buchnevich was not seriously injured from the punch to the back of the head. Panarin's head did not fully hit the ice. Like, Panarin's head could have slammed against the ice, and you would have had a much bigger issue. So, like, at, at the very least, that didn't happen. But that still easily could have happened. And it, the fact that it's like, well, his head didn't hit the ice. Well, so what if you shoot at someone and the bullet misses? Does that, oh, it's okay, the bullet missed. He's fine. Bullet missed him. There was a thing in Framingham, actually, the other day. Uh, it was at a margaritas in Framingham. I don't know if you heard about this, uh, where uh, there was a dispute between two guys at a bar. And, and one guy pulls out a gun, points it right at the guy's head, and, and pulls the trigger. And somehow the other guy, in like the the fastest reaction ever, ducked. And the bullet just went right through his hair and missed him by like that much. So it took out his hair. Which like that kind, from- that kind of, that kind of sucks. Missing, missing a piece of your hair, um, but it's supposed
1: to getting shot in the head. <laughs>
0: I think the shot in the head you made to losing the hair. Um, <laughs> but my point is like, if, if the cops were just like, oh, you know, we're gonna let the guy off. He didn't. The bullet didn't hit him. Like that's the same shit. And that's why it boggles my mind that the NHL does this stuff. Um, and it's incredible because you know what's coming next. As you said, you know that someone's gonna lose their career over some dumb, stupid stuff that Tom Wilson's going to do. Um, and it's sad. It is sad. Because, yeah, it, it's fun to see a line brawl here and there. But, like, it, to me, it in the playoffs, you don't want that. And you don't want a guy's career ending over the stupid stuff. So, I don't know. It, it's just it's ridiculous that, like, this is still going on with Tom Wilson. And it's never ending. It just feels like this is never going to end. And, uh, as we said, the ending will be, you know, when someone's career gets taken out from one of them. Anyways, before I let you go, is there anything that people can look forward to over at Boston Sports Journal? Yeah, we're
1: going to, uh, this week, I think start breaking down potential matchups, uh, including Tom Wilson and the Washington <laughs> Capitals. So uh, We'll have all that over at BSJ, so subscribe over at bostonsportsjournal.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93.
0: Go do all that. For CLS Media, I'm F. Maranovsky, Boston Sports Journal. That's Connor Ryan. You poke the bear listeners. Have an amazing rest of your day.